the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Guess what, everybody? It's another episode of Folk Radio. This is your host, Peter. And this is your host, Kyle. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm pretty good. I had to get up early this morning to help with the small human being that my uh, that my parents babysit. Uh, that was interesting. Was this small baby very loud? Uh, she's very clingy sometimes, and as soon as like either parent would leave the room, she'd be like, "I need you now," and That's I could a scary be sounding baby. Right, and I could do nothing to convince her otherwise. I was like, "You have coloring books and toys and like everything you could possibly need. Why do you need like to be attached to a human being like a baby orangutan every two seconds?" Were you jealous of the baby's coloring books? I was jealous of her toys, yeah. And Sorry, <laughs> occasionally, if she's mad at me for whatever reason, I'll try and play with her toys, and then she'll grab them from me and be like, "That's not a toy," even though it completely is. <laughs> Speaking of coloring, also not on topic. <laughs> Speaking of nothing to do with coloring, what we thought would be fun to discuss today, to get away from American shores a bit, is the subgenre of music known as Brit funk. Hence the name, it's funk from Britain. It's a musical style that has its origins in the uh, British music scene of the late 1970s through the 80s. And it mixes elements of funk and soul music with more original jazz funk and Caribbean overtones. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. An important stylistic element of Brit funk is the dominant role of the bass and rhythm guitars. With a hard funky rhythm, a cross between James Brown and Earth, Wind, and Fire, the Brit funk trend reaches peak in the mid 1980s. Yeah, yeah. We actually so, we almost never talk explicitly about the 80s on this show. I know, that's why. That's another reason that when I was doing some researching, I thought this would be a good topic, is because we really don't, because it's kind of the forgotten decade as far as, like, funk and soul music. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, uh, at least with funk and the the remnants of disco fading out, I mean, yeah. they were still relatively prevalent through most of that decade. Yeah, it, it, they, they changed their sound pretty drastically uh, with stuff like uh, Rick James or whatnot, but at the same time, it seems like... Because it wasn't the origins of the genres, people just happened to ignore them. You know, even though there was a lot of good acts in the '80s, so. people people kind of ignore funk anyway. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, going along with the whole Brit funk '80s topic, we uh, want to talk about a few bands that we found in our musings. The first band that came up on my radar is the band Central Line. They were formed in March 1978 and were signed to Mercury Records in uh, early the next year. And their most famous uh, commercial hit is arguably Walking Into Sunshine, which was released in 1981. Let's listen to a little clip of that song, and then I'll talk more I totally thought this was that song at first when I saw the title. I'm like, no, but it wasn't, and I was sad. Who sings that? I don't know. Some band. Oh, that's, that's a good Peter, direction. why'd you have to put that in my head? I hate when I have unanswered questions about music. Sorry, Kyle. It's okay. 
So that was Walking on Sunshine by Central Line. Good stuff. It's funny that this was the first band that came up in my researching of Brit Funk because basically very shortly after that hit was released, they broke up. And then members of the band went on to form another pretty famous uh, Brit Funk band called Light of the World that we'll discuss later on in the show. So Central Line was only around for three years? Basically. And they had that one song, and that was it. But they came up in my searches like pretty quickly, so I was like, okay. And I liked the song, so... When I listened to it, it felt definitely an 80s right? edge of funk, you know, even though it's only 1981. So already you can see this new sound start to, coming in. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, they weren't, they were short lived, but they obviously this song did well and was popular. So yeah. what little success they had was well earned. Yeah, something we've learned is that, you know, you don't have to be around for a long time to make at least one song that That's people, why people remember for a long time. One Hit Wonders. That's true. Didn't we do an episode on One Hit Wonders? It was way, way that back. was like one of our probably within the first five episodes. We should we did it. We should have one hit wonders volume two. We still have a big list of them. We should get back to that. Another song that we thought was appropriate for this whole Brit funk topic is a song called Southern Freeze by Freeze. So Freeze is a dance music group from London. They were actually initially one of the UK's main jazz funk bands in the early 1980s. They're pretty much best known for the UK Top 10 song, Southern Freeze. It's from their album, also called Southern Freeze. Their first single, called Keep in Touch, was released in 1980, and that included guitarist Jean-Paul Bluey Maunick, who was actually the initiator of the musical band Incognito, who we have talked about before, and I think we will be talking about in a bit as well. Yeah, they. I think I have a song by them on this list, because you, you can't have British music without Incognito. I suppose that's true. Yeah, yeah. They're like the precursors to Jamiroquai, in my opinion, because they started more in the 80s, where Jamiroquai was in the 90s. Mm. Good point. Good stuff. So that you can get a taste of this jazz funk style that Freeze made. Peter. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, well, let's go ahead and listen to a clip of Southern Freeze by Freeze. When I saw you on the floor. that was a good song it's funny that you mentioned jamiroquai because i mean that was part of um acid jazz which was a trend in the uk as well which happened in the next day decade in the 90s but already i mean this was when was the song released 1980 or so 1982 so early 80s but i could i could already hear somewhat similar sound um to acid jazz bands like that which came a decade later you know i guess there was a lot of influence from this subgenre to the next one yeah, it's it's kind of established that uh, acid jazz was birthed out of the jazz funk movement that broke in to Britain in the early 80s and that evolved into acid jazz because acid jazz, as you know, has more of a, how do I say it, like an upbeat, faster paced, I guess, rhythm, mm -hmm. whereas jazz funk is a little bit slower. But yeah, basically, Britain had like a jazz revival, basically, from the late 70s all the way to the late 90s. That's pretty cool. Because while it did remind me of like 90s music like that it also reminded me of other another band i think i think that probably pretty they were like late 70s early 80s i think um the band change i don't think they released a whole lot but i know they were at least associated with luther vandress for a while and oh. um they have some good music that i like but it kind, of, it kind of reminded me of them as well two questions a is luther vandress isn't british is he 
I don't believe so. And B, is he I don't Luther think that band, that band was not British. Oh. And B, is he Luther from Luther? The crime thriller show? Yeah. Speaking of Luther, okay. Are there only four episodes in the second season? Yes. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm done. Oh, Remember cool. I kept saying I needed to watch the second season? Yeah. Holy cow, did that blow my mind. Yeah, I recommend to anyone listening, go and watch Luther. It's a crime drama on BBC starring Idris Elba, who some of you may know starred in... He was in The Wire. He was in Prometheus. He was the pilot. Uh, that's the only thing I could think of right Black now. Guy. And he's got, and he's going to be in... Pacific Rim. Thank you. Pacific Rim, which comes out in June. I cannot wait for that movie to come out. Oh, my God. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, guys, go, all of you, check out the trailer, and then just, like, drool all over yourself. Just, just to answer your question, Kyle, um, Change was actually, I didn't know this, but they were actually formed in Italy. Oh! Which is interesting. They were they were kind of, like, on the, like, the late disco style. Luther Vandross, yeah, because he, he was American. So I'm not, I'm not going to try to look it up right now in the middle of the episode, um, what, what the what the connection was there, but I know that he was one of the main members of that band for at least a while. Good for him. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, and a note yes. about Luther that we were, the show we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix. That's how you would probably watch it. Yeah, that's where I watched it, so hopefully, if all you guys have Netflix out there. Speaking of bad stuff on Netflix, the other night, <laughs> the other night I totally watched this movie called The Switch with Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston. Worst movie I have seen in a good while plot holes galore really there was almost nothing funny about the movie even if it was supposed to be a comedy jason bateman makes me sad because (laughs) he was so good in arrested development but every movie he has ever done has just been awful that was kyle's movie review of the week yay okay so yeah we talked a little bit about freeze uh good good guys another group that i wanted to mention that i don't think you could possibly go without mentioning if we're talking about british 80s funky music is Sharday. Her name is spelled S-A-D-E. It's pronounced Sharday. Looks Why? like Sade. She's part of a British R&B band that formed in 1983. Named after the, her lead singer, her name is Sharday Adu. Her music kind of features elements of R&B, soul, jazz, and soft rock. Her debut album, Diamond Life, which was released in 1984, actually was so huge that it got number two on the UK album chart. Not just R&B, like the, the full, like everything. Uh, selling over 1.2 million copies in the UK and actually won a British award for best British album in 1985. Yeah, if any of you guys who happen to listen to us were born before like 1975 and were around in the 80s, Sade just like was this massive like out of nowhere explosion uh, <laughs> of awesomeness. Just like us. Basically, Sade, uh, hugely famous in Britain, also hugely famous in the US. Her most, uh, her debut album, Diamond Life, had this single off of it called "Smooth Operator," which is like quintessentially like the like an '80s song that doesn't suck. That's I'm, the only song by her that I actually know of. So. I'm I'm mean about the '80s, but no, that that's definitely one of the memorable '80s songs that I thought was really good and didn't really have that quintessentially 80s sound. I mean, as much as I like the 80s and their music, it doesn't stand the test of time in so much as it's very recognizable for the decade it's from. Mm-hmm. Unlike other decades, necessarily. So she wrote the song Smooth Operator, but I think we played that on a pre- previous show, so I didn't want to play it again. Go check out Smooth Operator if you haven't heard every single one of our shows. But the song that I do want to play is also off of her debut album called Your Love is King. So let's listen to a little bit of that by Sharday. Round and round my head, touching the very part of 
Do they um, do they still have album charts? Because you said this reached number two in the UK album chart. Yeah. Do they still have album charts anymore? Or is that gone? Uh, I think they're they've kind of been trans. I mean, they call them album charts, but I think they've just been trans- transitioning over to like digital music sales. I mean, you can still buy full albums on most digital music sites, but as we know, most people don't do that anymore. So that's a good question. I watched the Grammys the other night, and they still have, like, best album, best rock album, best whatever. Mm. So cool. there's got to be some way to track the sales of that. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm just Googling it, and I can't find anything. So mm. I give up. Well, anyway, uh, Your Love is King. Good song, good representation of Sade's style. Quick uh, quick funny thing about Sade. On her on her debut album, her record, la- her record uh, label actually had printed on the front of the album Sade pronounced and then they spelled it phonetically because if you didn't look at her name if you didn't see how it was actually pronounced everyone would say Said oh, that's kind of well it's good it's good that they did that but by her second album she was so popular that they didn't need to do that anymore for some reason what that reminded me of is when they were doing marketing for the Pixar movie Ratatouille oh didn't they have yeah the pronunciation because of it? in French you would never be able to tell how to say it yeah. Oh, they had it phonetically as well. What do we have next, Mr. Peter? Coming up next is a song called Evolution by Beggar and Company. Beggar and Company was composed of its core members Kenny Wellington, David Baptiste, Neville Breeze McCreeth, and other guest musicians specializing in jazz, funk, and dance music. Beggar and Company actually was also featured as the brass action for a lot of other artists, um, including Spandau Ballet, Wham, George Michael, Gabriel, Bill Yoshin, and many more. That's a pretty impressive lineup. I probably should have quantified uh, Beggar and Co. is mostly instrumental group. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely the heavy on the the jazz horn section type funk indeed kind of reminds me of uh tower of power a little bit because they're really heavy on the horn section too right yeah i think they were at the same time as a ish cool anyway so we go ahead and listen to a clip of their sound i think we should song evolution obvious the uh the jazz influence there they're pretty horny yeah <laughs> worst pun ever made on the show ever hands down i don't know i think we've done some pretty bad ones oh god that just, as soon as that came out of my mouth i was just like no don't say it and then i did that's most things that i say though my mouth is much faster than well me. see if you were if you could react more quickly Instead of saying the bad pun, you would just start saying, no. <laughs> In a conversation, all of a sudden, I'm just like, no. And they're just like, what? It's okay, I didn't say anything stupid. <laughs> yeah, right? It's okay. It's okay, guys. I didn't say anything dumb. Fun fact about Baker and Company. Uh, I guess in 2009, they released a live recording album from the Jazz Cafe called Brass Strings and Things, which was the first album they did in, like, probably a decade and that was followed in may 2011 with a new studio recording called the legacy so even though they were very prominent in the 80s they're still going yeah that's pretty recent so yeah 2009 2011 and i see that they actually even have a myspace page because i guess myspace is now basically just used for music i guess so 
Yeah, I saw. I don't. It's, I don't know if it's fully rolled out yet because I don't really go to MySpace. But I saw it once not that long ago mm-hmm. that they like basically rebooting MySpace so that it actually looks really nice and fully taking on the whole music central type thing. Yeah, that so, it's basically become anyway for the last five years. That, yeah, I mean that's that's a market that they really was were successful in and no one else was really touching was like the concept of like musician and band profiles of sorts. Mm-hmm. Good for them for actually trying to stay alive and not just collapse. (laughs) Was I the only one that when I made a MySpace when I was like 15 or something, I was like freaked out that like this Tom guy was my friend and I didn't know who he was? I never had a MySpace, I don't know. Oh, congratulations. Because that was the stupidest thing ever, honestly. Because I always thought it was dumb and then people told me I should go and I was like, eh, maybe, and then I didn't do it. Look, yeah. Shortly after, it went completely... Look, looking back on it, even compared to Facebook with all of Facebook's cluster fudgery, it was pretty awful. God. With the early days of Facebook? Yeah. Well, even Facebook now. I mean, you heard that news thing about how there was like that glitch like mm-hmm. last week that caused every single site that had any sort of Facebook-like button that linked back to Facebook. It, once you went on that site, it would redirect you back to Facebook and come up with an error message. So effectively, the glitch broke half the internet it's really for like scary. an hour yeah, it's kind of one of those, like, not too big to fail, but, like, too big for anything to to, to go wrong yeah. kind of sites now. So, it's kind of strange to think that one site can affect that much. Right? It's really scary. I mean, think about how many sites have, like, you know, click like on Facebook and click like on Google Plus and Twitter us and crap. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Moving past the post-apocalyptic wasteland that is the Internet, <laughs> another group I wanted to talk about. Hey, the Internet is our home on Funk Radio. Yeah, it's it's got it's got some good uh, it's still got some good things going for it, but like our show, like our show. Uh, another group I wanted to talk about was Culture Club. They're a bit of a smaller band, but they're still popular in within the UK scene of Brit funk. And they had a 1983 hit single, "Church of the Poison Mind," and it was the lead single off their second album, probably their most successful, uh, called "Color by Numbers." I love coloring by numbers. So yeah, let's listen to a little clip of Church of the Poison Mind. Definitely very politically motivated because in the 80s, a lot of stuff was going on with not only the Catholic Church, just religion in general. Also the mind. So yeah, listen for the political overtones. You know who they remind me of a little bit? Mm. Have you, You've heard of the band In Living Color, right? Wait, no, that's a show. Uh, show hold on, no, 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 no. Uh, oh, yeah, that is a show. Uh, cult, no. What is the band that sings the song Cult of Personality? Li- Living Color. Okay, I was right. I'm not an idiot. Oh, okay. well, In Living Color, I think, was the show. Yeah, I, In Living Color was the show. Living Color is the, this is confusing. They, yeah, they sound like the, which I think was also British, they sound like the band Living Color, who sang that really famous song in the 80s, Cult of Personality. Also very politically charged. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that. Well, my my knowledge of 80s music is horrendous. So the only the only only reason I know of that song is because in high school in my world history class our teacher played it for us because cool. it talked about bad guys from the 70s and 80s. Uh, okay. So yeah, that was Church of the Poison Mind. The song reached number two in the UK. So again, actually pretty popular for them even though they weren't around for very long. But and it was only kept from the top spot by David Bowie's Last Dance. Let's Dance, and David Bowie was basically the British Michael Jackson. 
So if they were only number two behind him, that says something about them. Right. That's the thing I'm noticing as a, as a trend with a lot of these bands is they, is Brit Funk, although being a pretty large movement, a lot of these bands kind of were one-hit wonders in the essence, or, or one-album wonders. Mm. So not long-lived, sadly. Except for... Yeah, maybe maybe it's a product of, of the style of the 80s, because you were saying before how it doesn't stand the test of time as much. I mean, you can very distinctly always point it out. Yeah. But maybe because of that, once music started moving in a different direction, people just couldn't keep up with it or something. Maybe. I mean, I think that happened a lot in the 70s, too. Yeah. Because there was a lot of musical evolution going on there. Just a little bit more of fun facts from the band, showing that they were actually pretty popular, even though they were they were fairly short-lived, is that in 1984, they won a Grammy Award for Best New Artist and a British Award for Best British Group. Damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it, it says they were basically around from 81 to 86, so not incredibly short, long-lived at all. Well, longer uh, than some other people. I probably should have mentioned this, because this is kind of a big deal, but I'm stupid and forget to research. This is Boy George's band. Eh. Oh, Oops. well... That's good to know. Very controversial, but very big artist in the 80s because he was very androgynous in his style of dress and sort of persona. Androgyny was kind of a thing in the 80s. Guys liked to dress like women. It was a thing. You had the hair bands from rock who all basically (laughs) wore spandex and crazy amounts of makeup. Yeah. I don't know if you want to call it a movement or a fashion movement or whatever, but too big to ignore. Good stuff. Culture Club. Check them out. Boy George's band. Very famous. A lot of good songs. Also check out Kit Kat bars because I'm eating one. Kit Kat, Kit Kat has had the same like little musical thing for like 20 years. I swear. Honestly, I'd rather have that than excuse me. Than the Snickers. I'd rather have that than like the ones who try to come up with something new every like two years. Oh God, yeah. None, none of them really stick. They just keep changing it. Yeah. You know who has basically like never changed their commercial probably uh, in like the last 20 years is that carpet place empire <laughs> i'm talking about that commercial something five eight eight two three hundred empire, empire. yeah today they have not changed their slogan in god 40 years and i remember they used to have a commercial where it was this little 2d cartoon of a guy busting into a room and like flipping out a carpet and then all the furniture jumps up and the carpet goes under him because that's dumb well, it's, I, it's still that. But I remember, yeah, I remember, like, God, like, 10 or 12 years ago, it moved, and it was now a 3D animation. And I was like, what is this crap? And I was, like, completely offended by the fact that they changed it. I don't remember the 2D version of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I've only remembered the current Yeah, no, but in the 90s, in the early 2000s, it was 3D. Basically, ever since I remembered it until they changed it. Is that is that a local no, commercial? No, it's countrywide. They, oh, it is. I, okay. I, yeah, they, I was. I lived in Chicago forever, and they had it there. Oh, okay. So, and if you remember it, obviously they have it here. Well, I mean, I've only remembered it within the last five years or so. Oh yeah, I've I've never seen that commercial god ever since I was a kid. Okay. So, free advertising for them. Go buy your carpets at. Uh, Go buy carpet. Empire. <laughs> Pay us money. <laughs> Maybe they'll play our show on their radio. On their on their giant factory like PA system. Yeah. It'll make the workers work hard for funk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've talked about, like, anything and everything off-topic in this episode, so good stuff. That's what we do. Yeah. Well, another group that we want to talk about, trying to get back on topic here a little bit, is a group called The Real Thing. Now, they're a British soul group who formed in 1970. In addition to a string of British hits, they also charted internationally with their song, You To Me Are Everything, 
which reached number one on the UK Singles Chart, number 28 on Billboard's R&B Singles, and number 64 on Billboard's Hot 100. So not that high internationally, but at least it existed. Yeah. And it reached number one in the UK, so that's awesome. By number of sales, they were actually the most successful black rock soul acts in England during the 1970s. The journalist, author, and founder of Mojo, Paul Dunoyer, credits them alongside Deaf School with restoring Liverpool's musical reputation in the 1970s. I would say definitely before the really 80s sound kicked in. The song is from 78, or 76, I mean. So there's still a few number of years before the 80s sound really starts kicking in. Fun fun fact regarding that is... Um... Just, I'm researching a bit more here. Uh, it turns out that they actually had a bit of a resurgence in the 80s because a few of their songs, including You To Me Are Everything, were actually remixed and actually recharted mm. because of the popularity of the remixes in the 80s. Nice. So they, their, uh, their success, I guess, spanned two decades. So mm. good for them. I mean, I guess the remixing thing kind of picked up a little bit during the 80s, right? Yeah, the 80s. I know that's when that's when remixes started to become more Yeah, popular. the 80s was really the, kind of the birth and explosion of, of not only electronic music, but remixes in general. Well, with all this? of that in mind, let's listen to a little clip of You To Me Are Everything by The Real Thing. It takes my heart and soul, you know I pay the price. Everything that I possess, I gladly sacrifice. That's a fun song. I, I enjoyed it. I have, I have not heard that before, but I enjoyed it. It sounded very vaguely familiar to me, so I probably heard it somewhere, but I don't know. Fun fact, when I was first looking up the band, The Real Thing, it turns out that there is also another band called The Real Thing that is a soul jazz band from Norway that were founded in 1980, 1992, so they were part of the 90s sort of jazz. I don't know if acid jazz reached all the way north to Oslo, Norway. But they were part of the sort of the Euro jazz scene that really exploded in the 90s. They have nothing to do with this whatsoever, but I just thought it would be cool to mention them. So if there's two bands called The Real Thing, which of them is The Real Thing? Holy crap, my mind just exploded and imploded at the same time. The two of them canceled each other out yeah. to where your brain had no effect. <laughs> oh my god, my brain just did nothing. <laughs> yeah, always nice to give the Scandinavia a little shout out. Oh! Speaking of Scandinavia, I don't know if any of you are very familiar with Reddit, but it's a really popular internet site. And just, I think yesterday or two days ago, they have this uh, thing where famous people basically go onto the site, post a, a topic called an AMA, which means ask me anything. Bill Gates did one, like two days ago. That's cool. And he was talking a lot about his foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, because they're doing a lot to... Uh, try and stem the infant mortality rate in a lot of the third world, you know, Africa and South Asia and stuff. People were just asking them, you know, who, who do you think are like models for, you know, different things like technology and philanthropy. And Bill Gates basically just absolutely loves the Scandinavia. He thinks their government is awesome. He says they're very philanthropic. And so now I kind of want to move there if it wasn't for the cold. <laughs> Honestly, as, as cool as Steve Jobs was as an innovator, I think Bill Gates, philanthropically, is way more of a, an amazing person. I saw him on the Colbert Report yeah. the other day, actually, and he was talking about it. And one of their big uh, initiatives is they're really trying to fight back against polio, because as much as it's basically been eradicated in the U.S., it still is sort of prevalent in you know South Africa and Asia and stuff. And based on their efforts, they're predicting that they can actually eradicate the disease within six to eight years. That will be That's good. only the second disease that humans have ever completely eradicated after um, smallpox. 
which is really sad if you think about that. Like with all of our technologic advances and si- advances in science, we've only basically gotten rid of two diseases or one now. Almost two. Almost two. Yeah. I mean, Th- I guess it just shows the power of nature. Things like, well, yeah, things like measles and cancer and the cold and like even the bubonic plague that wiped out people like 400 years ago and people still get it. Yeah. It's not obviously at all as prevalent, but it's just ridiculous that like we haven't stopped that yet. Mm. Not to depress our viewers. <laughs> uh, with sad well, I'm going to depress them just a tiny bit more by telling them that they're not actually viewers because they're not seeing anything. They don't like envision me talking when they hear my sultry voice. Maybe they do. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Well, we don't. Tell us on our Facebook page if you look. Even, yeah, even on Facebook. Funk Radio, we don't have pictures of ourselves. So basically, our listeners don't know what we look like, which is probably for the best. <laughs> we are dashing young men. We are. Off the topic of diseases and back onto the topic of British funk, um, another band that I want to mention, along with Sharday, is probably one of the most famous out of that genre, is the band Incognito. Their debut album, Jazz Funk, was released in 1981, and basically since then they produced 14 more albums, the last of which, uh, Surreal, was released just this last year in 2012. So, I didn't know that, that's cool. Yeah, they've been nice. kicking it strong for, what, the last 30, 31 years? Good stuff. Something like that. The band's frontman, who is also their composer, record producer, guitarist, and singer, is uh, Jean-Paul Bleuy Manuk, which I believe he mentioned earlier in the show, because mm-hmm. he was featured on the uh, single of... Freeze. Freeze, thank you. And uh, I guess, you know, in the middle of their success in 1994, they actually appeared on Red Hot Organization's compilation album, Stolen Moments, Red Hot and Cool, released by the organization to raise awareness and funds for the, in the support of the AIDS epidemic mm. in relation to the African-American community, and was actually rated as Album of the Year by Time Magazine. Because, mm. as you know, AIDS was like the thing that was going to kill us all in the 90s. Right. And yeah, in 1996, the band actually contributed Water to Drink to the AIDS benefit album Red Hot and Plus Rio, which also was produced by the Red Hot organization. They were a pretty big organization in the 90s that were at the forefront of, uh, you know, AIDS awareness and funding and stuff. Well, that's cool that this band took the time to yeah, that, make music that so supported this. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of Don't Turn My Love Away, and then I want to mention something. Okay. good uh, representation of incognito's sound yeah i mean like you said they've been going for over 30 years now mm-hmm. oh something i wanted to mention because you mentioned the african-american community mm-hmm. we should probably mention that it is black history month oh yeah since it's february i think every month should be black history month well on funk radio it is <laughs> but i wanted to say that actually i was told recently that basically black history month is is not really about african-americans anymore it's just about african people in general like all because like other countries celebrate black history month now as well really? obviously there's no reason for them to think about african-americans because there's no relevance there so i guess what they do is focus on you know big social figures and important people that that came from africa so i, I found that kind of interesting because i never i've never even heard that before you know why I think that is? Because since Barack Obama got elected president, that's kind of been a big, significant boost for, uh, I guess, the awareness of African-American history and the progress they've made. So mm-hmm. now it's spreading globally so that in other right. countries they can succeed as much as uh, they have in, their, in certain areas here. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they've succeeded in every area because there's still a lot of social and cultural hurdles that we need to get past. Right. No, I, I understand what you're saying, though. That's actually a good point, too. I wouldn't have thought of that myself because, I mean, I guess, because I mean, Obama obviously is, is the American president, but, I mean, he influences the whole world. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, other even though basically half the country hates him here, he's, like, completely beloved in, like, a lot of parts of the world, like Africa and stuff. That's because cool. he's just seen as a symbol of, like, ultimate success and hope. Um, anyway, so, moving along a little bit in our music, we have a band called Imagination. They were a three-piece British soul and funk band who came to prominence in the early 80s. They had chart hits in 28 countries, and they earned four platinum discs, nine gold discs, and more than a dozen silver discs around the world between 1981 and 83. That is incredible. Right. Over a two-year period. Most people don't do that in their whole career. They often put a synthesized sound to the 70s-style soul. Like we were saying before, like the 80s, I think it started, especially the early 80s, was kind of a mix of coming out of the 70s, which was much more soul-based, and into the 80s, which was much more synthesizer-based. You know based, what the so... 80s is? I just realized it's the 70s with a computer. I suppose, yeah. Because it's, it's still got a lot of the 70s sound, but it's like an evolved version of it from an electronic standpoint. Because they used synthesizers. They had people like Herbie Hancock, who were very rooted in the 70s, but they had yeah. big 80s hits. That's what the 80s is. Even like rock bands and stuff, I think, yeah. to some extent, completely, were kind of the same thing as well. Completely. It's kind of an interesting way to put it. So the singer Lee John, Lee is spelled with three E's apparently, which is funny. So he was working as a backing vocalist for the Delphonics, chairman of the board, the Velvelettes, and the Elgins. And he was working for all of those bands. And then he met um, Ashley Ingram, a guitarist and bassist, and... They used their imagination to form imagination. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But yeah, even just from from Lee John, you get a pretty impressive resume of of bands there that he came from. Right. That's pretty cool. Have we ever mentioned chairman of the board on this show before? Want to say that we did, yes. Okay, I'm happy then. Because didn't they do um, Give Me Just a Little More Time? Yes, they did. So yeah, we did talk about that. Give me just a little more time, and our love will surely grow. I mean, they're they're American, but they're another one of those like bands that didn't have a large time frame of success, yeah. but they had a lot of good songs in that time frame. Yeah. Anyway, so from this British soul funk band, kind of in the style of 70s soul mixed with synthesized 80s sound, we want to give you a little clip of one of their songs called Just an Illusion. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip. Was just an illusion by imagination. Good stuff. As we said before, they're incredibly successful in the short time they're around. So, the last and final band that we are going to mention in our compendium of Brit Funk is the band Level 42. As with the other bands on the list, they are also an English band, a little bit more influenced by pop rock as well as jazz funk. So, a little bit different sounding than some of the others. But uh, they had a number of worldwide and UK hits in the 1980s and early 90s. They gained fame mostly for their high-caliber musicianship, in particular that of their member Mark King, whose percussive slap-based guitar technique provided the driving groove for many of the band's hits. They're also known for a combination of King's lead vocals as well as uh, keyboard player Mike Lindup's falsetto backing vocals. Hmm. So, kind of interesting that the bass player is also the lead singer. That usually isn't the case. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. Right? 
there's it was a rock band of sorts but there was even a, there was a band that was famous in the 80s that the drummer was actually the lead singer which like Whoa. never happens actually I, the only other bassist i can even name is bootsy collins from parliament and i know he did a bit of singing for them as well as when he did kind of some solo stuff of his own yeah he also advertised for old navy <laughs> that's true but yeah, let's listen to a little clip of a song from Level 42 called Lessons in Love. This is one of their more famous songs. Having been pretty successful both live and in the studio in the 80s, uh, their commercial profile really kind of diminished after the early 90s following a series of personnel changes and musical shifts. Mm. Uh, they disbanded in 94, and then they reformed in 2001, but never really regained the prior success they had in the 80s. So that is the reigning theme of this episode. Is all these bands, aside from possibly Incognito and Sharday, were, were basically only around for maybe the decade of the 80s at the best. That's too bad. So. The 80s went extinct. (laughs) (laughs) That was basically our compendium of sorts of the niche subgenre called Britpunk. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We don't usually play 80s stuff a lot, so that was a new thing for us that I think went over well because it helped me rediscover some good 80s bands that I Mm -hmm. henceforth have ignored. Like we said, there there are good funky type bands that did come from the 80s. I guess we just haven't had the chance to talk, talk about them in depth yet. We probably will again in the future. This has been... Yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. Please remember to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. We were trying to build up our little community there a little bit so you can see immediately when our episodes are posted. And also you can give us feedback on our shows, whether you like it or whether you hate it. And if you have any ideas for new shows, we would love to hear your ideas. So uh, be sure to post there. If you listen to us, give us a like. And if you like us, give us a listen. Did you just make that up? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. Well, love you. You'll you'll hear us next time. We no, we, we can we, wa- we establish that you don't see. We us. can watch you. It's like the Dark Knight, where you can like watch anyone who has a cell phone or a computer. We are Morgan Freeman. Good night. Good night. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.